Well, what do you do when everything goes wrong? What do you do whenever things happen that are beyond your control? Well, last week we talked about control, but you know, what type of attitude do we have when things go wrong? You know, just like all of that stuff going wrong, what happens when things like that happen in our lives? What happens when those things that we simply have no say-so in, and it seems like everything's shutting down, everything's messing up, everything's going haywire, and no matter how hard we try to control something or how perfect we try to make things in our lives, it seems like everything's just falling apart. What in the world is going on? How, how do we respond during those times? What happens when things don't turn out like we planned? How many of you ever tried to build something or draw something or paint something? You wanted to create something. And you had this picture in your mind of how it was going to come out and how it was going to look. And then it ended up costing a lot more money than you had ever intended on it costing. And you spent more time and it caused more frustration because it just didn't simply turn out the way that you wanted it to. It was very frustrating, very discouraging. So I guess the question that I really want us to focus on today is how do we maintain a right heart and attitude when things are happening in life that are beyond our control? How do we maintain that attitude that God wants us to when it seems like everything is going crazy? You know, it really boils down to what we talked about last week when we talked about control last week. Because we talked about how we need to learn to trust God. But here's the thing in trusting God that you and I have got to understand. We have to get that trust requires flexibility. It requires us to be flexible because we cannot tell God how He is going to do something and when He's going to do it in our lives. There is no cookie-cutter can formula that we can shove God into and say, okay, God, here's my terms, here's how I want it, this is when I want it, medium well, no no pickles, you know, I want it just like this, and I want it this time, and I want it to be exactly this way. And sometimes we get very frustrated or angry or just, you know, discouraged when it comes to trusting God for things when things don't happen when we want them to happen, exactly how we want them to happen. Now, does that mean we can't trust God? Absolutely, it's not what that means. What, we need to trust God, but it requires us to be flexible because we can't control God. No matter how bad we may want to direct Him and tell Him how He's going to do it, when He's going to do it, who He's going to use to do it, we're not, we, we're not sitting at the steering wheel or the controls of God manipulating Him and telling Him exactly how He's going to do what He does. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma that I used to pray before every one of my youth services almost all day, and I would fast. I wouldn't eat any food all day long. And the reason that I did these things is not because I felt directed by God to do it. It's because I thought that if I did those things, that I was going to get a certain kind of service as a result, and certain things were going to happen in that youth service as a result of me doing those things. And when those things wouldn't happen, and I wouldn't have the type of service I wanted, I would get mad at God. Didn't you see me fasting? Didn't you hear my stomach grumbling and growling? I mean, I know when you fast that, you know, gum doesn't count and communion doesn't count. You know, so I had like communion 50 times that day. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, I would fast and I thought, you know, this is somehow earning me something from God. And this is somehow me paying for this from God. And because I've done all these things, then I'm going to have all these certain things that I wanted to happen in my service happen. And when it wouldn't happen the way I thought it was supposed to happen, I would get frustrated. You see, 
I need to trust God that even when things don't turn out the way I want them to, exactly the way I have prescribed for them to turn out, that he's still doing what he's doing and that he was still touching hearts and changing lives even if I didn't see what I wanted to see because it's not about me, it's about trusting him and that means I need to be flexible and roll with him because he's not rolling with me. You see, we want God to roll the way we roll. Okay, listen, God, this is how I'm going to do it. Just letting you know, giving you a heads up. He's like, yeah, I know. Because I kind of know everything. And because of that, you can trust me that I'm a good God, that I'm leading you, that I'm guiding you, that I'm ordering your steps, that you can't control me. You can't pray hard enough to control me to operate the way you want me to operate because I'm going to operate how I operate because I'm God and it's your job to trust me that I'm a good God and to trust that I have your best interest at heart and that my word is forever settled and it's forever true and if I said it, I meant it and then you should just trust and have faith that I'm on your side. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants us to do but that requires us to be flexible. It requires us to be okay when things don't go exactly the way we want them to go. Or during our time frame, but yet we still maintain a right attitude and we still maintain a, a, a right level of trust with God. I want to show you this in Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and go there. 1 Peter 5, or if you're following along on the Version app, you can go to the live, excuse me, the live section of that and you can uh, follow along there as well. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read in verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I want you to think about this. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, I know that naturally we want to look at the person sitting next to us and say, you need to be humble because I'm the most humble person in the room. Yeah, think about that for just a second. A lot of us think that we're so humble because of, you know, well, well I'm just so humble and, and, and I can just trust God for whatever. And, but there's often times that we don't really understand what humility is because we really don't understand what it means to be the opposite of humble, which is proud. We don't get that sometimes. It doesn't translate because we have this conception that being full of pride means being boastful. We think, well, that person's a very proud, prideful person because they're always talking about how they're better than me or how they can, you know, oh, I have more money than you. I drive a better car than you. I live in a better part of town, a better neighborhood. So that's what, in our mind, you know, what a proud person is. I can do this right here, you know, and, and you can't. And you might be able to do that better than me. I hope you can. But we think that's what someone that's proud, we think that's what that means. We, we look at that and we go, oh, that's proud. Yeah, well, there's something else that's pride as well that's a little bit sneakier that happens all too often in our lives that I want to get to in just a second. But he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now that word hand there is not talking about a physical hand. That word hand is actually translated as the same word as power or authority. He's saying, humble yourself under the authority or the power of God. In other words, trust that God's more powerful than you, that he's bigger than you, that he's smarter than you, that he's better than you, and he knows what is going on. And if we humble ourselves and trust him in due time, he will open the doors. He will provide the answers. He will open the doors and direct our paths to where we need to go in our lives as we're moving and trusting in him. Amen? Amen. 
That's what he's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to trust in his power. And then he says this in verse 7, and this just really just challenges a lot of things that you and I may understand here because it says, we, after he talks about humbling ourselves, he says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him for he cares for you. So if I have all this care, if I have all this worry, if I have all this anxiety, then somehow humility and anxiety are directly related to one another. I want you to think about this. It's humility under his hand, trusting in him that actually puts us in a position, puts our hearts in a position where we can trust him and put all of our care, cast our care on him. Why? Because we recognize that he cares for us. If I were to take a poll here in this room and say, how many of you believe that God cares for you? Amen, praise the Lord, I believe God cares for me. But how many times do our actions and our decisions that we make in life show that we're not trusting in God, we're really trusting in ourselves, and trusting in ourselves is pride. It's not always just boasting. You see, humility will keep you flexible. Humility keeps us to where we're actually moving with God instead of trying to get Him to move with us. A lot of times we do that in our own relationships. We try to get people to think like us, act like us, do what we want them to do. We try to control them and manipulate them to be able to force them to be like we want them to be. And that's a lot of times we take that same attitude with God where we try to control him. We try to make him who we want him to be. We want him to do what we want him to do. But to humble ourselves means that we go, okay, God, here's the deal. I'm following you. I'm trusting in you and I realize I can't control other people. I can't control other circumstances. I'm going to trust you that you know what is best for me and my life. And because of that, regardless of how people may treat me or how they may act around me or what circumstances may come, I'm still with you because I'm trusting in you because I'm casting all my care on you because I trust that you care for me. Does that help? I mean, does that make sense? It, it, it helps me because this message, trust me, is just as much for me, I believe, as it is for anybody in this place today. Because all of us at some level have some type of control issue because we can't make God or people do what we want. We can't make them think like we want them to think. We don't have the power to control them. We can't control every circumstance in our lives. We just can't do it. And so to trust God means we got to be flexible. That means we got to be okay when things don't go our way. Ooh, there you go. Other two services didn't get that. <laughs> got to be okay when things don't go our way. It, we have to be flexible. You guys didn't know I had those kind of skills to do that, did you? Because you see, when we try to control things, control is pride. That's what it is. Control at its root is pride. When we try to control, what it does is it reveals our lack of trust in God, and it reveals our lack of trust in what He has called us to do, what He said for us to do, what He has promised in His Word. It shows that we're really trying to run the show ourselves, plain and simple. It's pride. And here's what pride will do. Here's the danger of it. Pride will stop us from moving forward. It will hinder us from moving forward and growing in life. It will stop the momentum. As we're trying to move forward... All of a sudden, here comes pride, and it stops the momentum in our lives. Because here we are, uh, we're, we're, we're doing well, we're moving forward, we're growing, we're making progress, and then something happens that we don't like, or someone says or does something that's out of our realm of control, and we go, whoa, 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 hold the phone, whatever that means. I guess it means hold my phone, I'm busy, I don't know what that saying means, but we say it a lot. <laughs> 
And, and we put the brakes and we're like, whoa, hang on just a second. I don't like what you just said. I don't like what you just did. And because of that, what, it, what the enemy will allow it, it to do in our lives, if, if, if we dwell on it, if we uh, think on it, if we allow it to build up bitterness and resentment in our heart and we're not able to keep that healthy attitude and we're just too busy trying to control the situation, what will happen is they'll actually put the brakes on us moving forward because how many of you know the enemy does not care anything about you? He doesn't care about you at all. Matter of fact, if as long as you are hung up in whatever hurt, pain, disappointment, attitude, uh, whatever type of uh, junk that may be hindering you from your past, that's holding you back, as long as you're just repeating those cycles over and over again, he doesn't care. But the moment you begin to make progress and you begin to grow out of that, and all of a sudden now you're taking some steps forward to that same cycle you used to repeat every time, and now all of a sudden you're, you're walking in victory... All of a sudden, he becomes very aware to the fact that the thing, the trap, the snare that he thought he just had you in, that you were living and dwelling and repeating over and over again, all of a sudden you're beginning to make progress and break free from that. And so now you've got momentum going in your life. You're moving forward. And then here he comes with some scenario or some junk or some lie or something that someone said or something that someone did or didn't do. And then all of a sudden you freak out because, oh, no, I don't like it. And because I can't control what people do and I can't control the circumstance, I get angry and it stops my progress. And I allow it to become a stumbling block in my life, whether it builds up bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness. And we stop right there and we go, whoa, 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 that's far enough. And then sometimes if we're not careful, it'll actually make us regress and we'll actually go backwards in life and we'll just keep repeating that same cycle, that same thing over and over again. The Bible says in verse 8 here, 1 Peter chapter 5, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see... When it comes to trusting God, we've got to be flexible to trust Him regardless of what other people may say, regardless of what they may do. Because people are going to do dumb things. People are going to do things you don't like. People are going to say things you don't like, and you can't control what they say. Wouldn't that be crazy if there was an app for our phone that we could control what other people said or what they did? You know, like, like say, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and all of a sudden, well, I'm just going to pull up that app on my phone. I am in control of your car now. <laughs> a lot of us would want to cause destruction. We would want to stall their car or, or just, you know, lightly bump them, you know, over there on the, on the curb or something. So just, just enough to where the airbags would deploy. <laughs> just something to send the message. And, you know, a lot of times we even do that in our relationships where... With our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, with our spouse, we will, even with our children, we will express that anger, we'll express that frustration, and we will just unleash and unload on people who are undeserving. Oftentimes, the people that love us the most, sometimes we lash out and we hurt them, and really all we're trying to do is just communicate to them, I don't like what you're doing. 
what you're doing is causing me to feel this way. What you're doing is, 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 is causing me to have negative thoughts towards you. And sometimes we express those in very ugly ways. And all we're really trying to tell them is, hey, you're hurting me. All we're trying to tell them is, hey, you know what? I, 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 I can't control you, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to make you say and act how I want you to. And so we'll use those things, that anger or that frustration, to try to just basically tell them, I can't control you, but I'm trying. And we've got to let go of that. We've got to give it to God. We've got to say, God, I'm going to trust you regardless of what other people may say or what they do because I'm trusting you with my life, not other people. Amen? Amen. Because people change. People disappoint. People may not do everything that we want, and we've got to be okay with that because we've got to trust God and we, because that trust keeps us flexible. And we've got to stop trying to control other people because that really shows a lack of trust of God in our lives because it's just pride. It's just pride. It's us saying we want to control the situation. We want to control the person because we want our kind of outcome that we want to have. And here's the thing. Anybody can be happy as long as they get exactly what they want, right? Anybody can be happy as long as everybody around you is doing what they want. You know, you go home and you lay down on the couch and your wife breaks out the palm branch and the grapes. And you're just sitting there, and she don't even care that you turn on ESPN. And she don't even care that SportsCenter's playing for the 10,000th time that day. She don't care. She's like, oh, whatever you want. Your children come. They're out there. They're, they're, they're saying, Daddy, can I go mow the yard? Oh, of course you can. My room is clean. I have straight A's. And you go to work that day, and your boss high-fives you, and there's a $100 bill in your hand. Hey, life's sweet. Everything's great. People are doing exactly what I want them to do. But how many have figured out that that doesn't happen and it doesn't last very long even if you do have some of those things happen in your life? You can't control people to make them do what you want them to do. You can't control situations. You can't control scenarios. You can try. But the more you try, the more frustrated you become. The more anxious you become. The more worried you become. You know the most worried and anxious people in the world are the people that are trying to control the most things. The ones that are trying to manipulate and control the most things in their lives in their own strength and trying to make as much happen for themselves as they can to get people to do what they want them to do, they are the most worried, stressed out people in the world because they're trying to be in charge of everything and everybody. And you just can't do that, folks. We're accountable and we're responsible for us. Amen? And we've got to trust God with our lives and our direction regardless of what other people may say or do. Think about people that may be living their lives just in all of these compounded lies. People that may, oh, I've got this lie over here for this set of friends. I've got this lie over here for my spouse. I've got this lie for my children. I've got this lie for uh, all, all of my people at work. And, and, and okay, now, which story did I tell them? Oh, gosh, I've got to remember because I don't want them to find me out. That I, Okay, and so they're just worried and they're anxious and, and, and they're, they're afraid. Why? Because they're trying to manipulate and control all these situations, these circumstances, and these people try to get them to do what they want them to do. And they're just so worried and anxious. And the Bible says this right here. After he says to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us in due time, he says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Isn't that interesting that he says, humble yourself and then cast all of your care on the Lord because control is pride. 
And a lot of times it's motivated by fear. It's motivated by fear of what someone will do to me or what they have done to me. Or it may be motivated by whether someone will accept me or reject me. Or maybe it'll, it's, it's motivated by the fact that I want everyone just to know how great I am. Or maybe it's motivated by the fact that, 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 that I, I just can't deal with this frustration and, and these wounds of, of when people don't do what I want to do because I'm, I'm, I'm so used to getting my way or I'm so used to this situation going this way or that way and we can't handle it and we just freak out on people. And we're just really trying to control and we're upset because we can't control and it reveals pride in our heart. We can't live the rest of our lives being people pleasers, Amen. You see, because a lot of times we'll get addicted to being people pleasers, either in the respect of we're trying to get someone to like us, and so we're trying to live our lives a certain way to win their approval, or we're being people pleasers by trying to uh, manipulate them in a way where they can do something for us. But ultimately, it's all about something I want someone to do for me. It's all ultimately about something that I'm trying to control in my own strength. Ultimately, it's really all about me just trying to get what I want. And so if that means that I have to please you so you won't reject me, then I'm going to do that. And that's a form of control, and that's a form of pride. It's not just always boasting. It's not just always the, the you know, trying to uh, tell everybody how great I am. No. Sometimes it comes in as sneaky as that. Something as sneaky as being a people pleaser. We're really trying to control a situation. But this is what the Bible says about that. It says we must live our lives to please God and not people. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, I would be serving man in his opinion and not serving Christ. If I just live my life to please man. No, I have to live my life to please God, even if that means that it offends someone. Even if that means that I may not be the most popular kid in school. <laughs> even if it means that I may not be that person that everybody just, you know, just thinks is just the greatest. You know what? I'm going to live my life to please God because I'm trusting in Him more than I'm trusting in the opinion or the thought or the viewpoint of someone else. Amen? And because of that, I have to live my life in a way to please God, not people. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man is a trap, but if you put your trust in the Lord, you will be safe. The fear of man is a trap, but if you put your trust in the Lord, you will be safe. That's Proverbs 29 and 25, if you'd like to write that down. And as I read that scripture, I think about this story when I was a kid. I was maybe... I don't know, I'm thinking 11 or 12 years old at the time. And uh, when I tell this story, I can actually, it's one of those stories where I can actually recall the feeling that I had when this happened. I can, you know what I'm talking about? When you're telling a story and you're like, oh man, I remember exactly how that felt when that happened. And 11, 12 years old, I was the kid that would do anything to really just get you to like me. I was the kid that if you wanted me to eat a bug, I would eat a bug. If that meant, you know, if, if, you know, eat this bug or you won't be my friend. Okay, well, I was that kid because I was so afraid of being rejected. I was so afraid of what would happen if someone didn't like me. And because of that, I was a huge people pleaser. And I remember there were these boys in our church that I grew up with, 
and we called them the Cook Boys. And the Cook Boys were close to my age, but they were all separated by a year. They were all three of them brothers, and that's just what we called them at the church, the Cook Boys. And I didn't like them. I did not like hanging out with them. I didn't like playing with them. They would always get me to do that kind of stuff, the eating the bug or get me into trouble. They were those kids that were like, they would take advantage of, you know, my vulnerability and they would like try to use it to get me in trouble. And somehow they always got off the hook, but I always got in trouble. Regardless of what I did with them, I always got in trouble. I get blamed for things I didn't do. I was their scapegoat. I was the kid that they would just kind of, you know, use to get in trouble. I did not like these kids very much at all. But one day, here we are at church, and you've got to understand something. We live 30, 40 miles from church, and this was back when we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And one day after church, after Sunday morning service, the cook boys came up to me and they said, Hey, Derek, would you like to come over to our house? And my mom's standing right there. And my mom is watching, and I'm trying to communicate to my mom with my ESP that... I'm wanting her to realize I don't want to go over to these boys' house. And so I'm just very, you know, just, just, just concentrating on trying to communicate this to my mom. And my mom's like, sure, yeah, Derek, you can go over their house. You can go. And I'm like sitting here going, <coughs> oh, man, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, uh, I'm not feeling all that well. And, and then I, you know, mom said, oh, yeah, you can go over there and I'll just get you tonight at, at church when, when we all come back to church tonight. And I was like, Okay, yeah, sure, I'd love to go. Yeah, that sounds great, guys. <laughs> and then I remember getting in their van, and I remember this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like I had betrayed myself. I remember this feeling of just like, oh, what did you do? This is going to be miserable. Why? did You're going to get in trouble. They're going to get you to do something stupid. They were rough boys. They liked to play rough. And I was not a kid that liked to play rough. They liked to punch. And they had three brothers. You know, they were real rowdy. I didn't have any brothers. And I had a sister. And, and you know, I couldn't be rough with her. I'd get in trouble. So I didn't grow up a rough kid. But these boys were just rough. And, and I just didn't, I was not looking forward to this. I remember getting in that van. And I looked at my mama out the glass because <laughs> I was a big mama's boy because my dad used to go and travel a lot my dad would um, my dad would go and travel uh, with the job that he had and he would be gone for a year two years even one time he was gone for four years and so I had big separation anxiety as a child and I did not like leaving my mom at all and uh, even when I was a teenager, I still had issues with it and uh, because I was just so afraid of, of what would happen to her if I wasn't around and, um, you know, here I am going home with these boys, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I just want to be with my mama. And, uh, and so I get to their house, and I'm going to try to help you understand this. Because this is southern Arkansas. What happened while I was over their house was we had what is called an ice storm. Now, in the south, all of the power lines are above ground. There's no buried cable. There's, even the phone lines are above ground. Everything's above ground. There's no reason to bury it because there's really never any snow or anything like this. But occasionally, the south will get hit with an ice storm. And these ice storms, they, the, the, the ice collects on the power lines. And it causes the power lines to just collapse because they get too heavy. And trees collapsing everywhere. And trees, there's trees all in Arkansas. You know, it's the pine capital of the U.S. And there's pine trees falling everywhere everywhere because of the weight that's on the branches, all because of this heavy, heavy ice that has come down. And there's only like two inches on the road, but there's a thousand cars in the ditches on either side because we don't have in the south snow plows. You can't go to Walmart and buy a bag of Morton salt and a snow shovel. They don't sell them. 
because they have no need for it. So there's no city-owned equipment where the city comes out and cleans up the street. If we were to have an ice storm here, it'd be cleaned up by this afternoon, you know. I mean, they would just come along and, and, and scoop it all up and, you know, plow it to the side after you had just gotten finished, you know, snow blowing your driveway. And they would just <laughs> come and pile it all up. And, and, but they don't have that in the south. So this ice storm lasted a week and a half. So the house of these boys that I did not want to be at, I'm stuck at their house for a week and a half. No electricity. No phone. I want my mama. Mama couldn't get to me because the road was just paved with a solid sheet of ice. And here I am just miserable, and I remember that feeling. I remember going to bed early, as early as I could. I'd go to bed at 6, 7 o'clock at night just to, hope, just to try to sleep as much as I could of it away because I hated it so much and I didn't want to be there. I got to go to bed. It's only 6 o'clock. I know. I got to go to bed. That's how miserable I was. Some of you people are laughing at me. Some of you feel sorry for me right now. I'm with the people that feel sorry for me right now. All you haters, you can leave. <laughs> but anyways, no, I, uh, I remember how that felt. And the reason I did that, the reason I made that decision to go with those boys was out of fear of rejection. And that's pride. It was pride that I didn't stand up for myself. I should have stood up for myself, and I should have said what I really wanted to do, but instead I was trying to make them like me. And because I wanted them to like me, I made a dumb decision, and I paid the price for that dumb decision. And I had to go over those guys' house and stay there, and I was stuck with them for a week and a half. All because of pride. That's how dangerous pride is. It'll take us somewhere we never wanted to go, and it'll make us stay a lot longer than we ever wanted to. <laughs> but that's me trying to control someone's opinion of me. Hmm. Never thought about it that way. See, God wants us to trust in Him and release that control. Release the fear. Often we don't trust God or we don't even trust other people because of fear. Because we're afraid of what they might say or what they might think or what they might do. So we don't trust God. We just try to put it all on our shoulders. We're anxious and we're worried. We're trying to control it and it drives us nuts. You see, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. All fear. And the Bible also says that God is love. It's his DNA. It's not what he does. It's who he is. God is love. His makeup, his DNA is love. And so if perfect love casts out all fear, then God is that perfect love that casts out all fear. And I have to trust him and believe that he is a good God. Whether I'm in a good season in my life or whether I'm in a rough spot right now. Whether I'm in a season where everything's going lovely and I can just throw my hands up in the air and say praise God or whether things may be really difficult for me right now, I can still trust God and believe that He is a good God and instead of me trying to control the situation and control other people, I'm choosing to put my trust in God because I believe He's a good God and because of that, I can put all of my care on Him because He cares for me. And it begins to erase the fear that has gripped my life, that has tried to get me to act a certain way or try to control situations or control people. And because of that, it's going to bring such a great freedom when we can rest and just, just rest in that peace that passes our understanding that the Bible talks about that guards our heart and that guards our mind. That we're not afraid of what man can do or say unto us because we're not living our lives to please man. We're living our lives to please God. If we want to walk... In freedom of fear, if we want to walk in freedom of anger, 
freedom from pride, then we must release control in our hearts and trust God and His Word. And what that means is that we get to the point that we believe that if God said it, that that really means what He said is true. And not just something that we go, oh yeah, I know what the Bible says. No, that we really believe it. And we rest in that. We rest in the finished work of Christ when He says, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. We rest in the finished work of Christ when he said, you know, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? I'm not scared what man can do unto me. What can he do? Kill me? Big whoop. You still can't beat me then. Because it's just a promotion to heaven. And I get to be with my father. So what can death do? There is no victory here that, that, that can match the victory of Christ. Because he won it all. He paid it all. And you and I can rest and trust in that fact. Because what really happens is that when pressure comes, when situations come, because whether you want them to or not, folks, guess what? They're coming. I'm not trying to be a downer or anything. Just giving you a heads up in case you didn't know. The Bible never said that because you're a Christian, everything's going to be peachy and you're never going to have any problems. Matter of fact, in the book of James, he says, count it all joy. He said, actually, when you fall into those temptations and when you fall into those trials, because they're coming. You need to be prepared for these things. You need to be aware that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that there won't be something happen in your life that you don't like. I'm reminded of the psalmist when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Because you're comforting me. Because you're walking step in step with me and you're leading me to where I need to go. Even when it looks dark and it doesn't look like you're there. And I go, God, where are you? He's like, I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. I said, I would never leave you or forsake you in your good times and in your bad times. Amen, somebody? Man, come on. Let me tell you. That, 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 that shows that we can trust God no matter what's going on in our lives. But a lot of times when the pressure is put on, we have a reaction. We have a reaction to whatever pressure may be happening in our life, whether it's financial pressure, whether it's relationship pressure, whether it's something at the job, whatever the case may be, there's pressure and we react out of that pressure. But how you react is crucial. How you react is key because how you react reveals what's in your heart. How you react reveals what's in your heart. We all can put on the act and we all can say the right things that we think other people want us to say. And even the things that we think God may want us to say. The problem with that is that no matter how good we may appear to be, God sees right through it. He sees our heart. God sees our heart. So let me ask you this question. How have you been reacting to things that you don't like? How have you been reacting to things that you don't like? When things happen, when people say or do things that you don't like, how how do you react? Because how you react reveals your heart. How have you been reacting to that? How have you been reacting to things that your spouse says to you? Look up here. Just look up here. (laughs) Don't look to the side. How have you been reacting when your spouse says something you don't like or does something you don't like? How do you react? Are you trying to control the situation? And so you get violent and angry, trying to manipulate and control and make something happen in your own strength? Is that what we do? Then that reveals what's in our heart. We're trying to control. And that's pride because it's not trusting in God. How do you react to things that your boss says that you don't like? Or your friend? Or your coworker? How do we react when those things happen that we don't like? How we react is crucial because it reveals our heart. 
And here's what we need to do, and I believe this is going to help. So I want you to think about this with me. When that pressure is put on, when something's happening that you do not like, here's what we need to do. We need to stop. We need to stop right there. Because if we don't stop, what will happen is we will allow our emotions to control our mouth. And when the emotions got their hand in the puppet, let me tell you, not a good thing. Because a lot of times we don't stop and think and we become very irrational and very emotionally driven when we're dealing with things that we don't like, when we're in a situation where there's pressure or where we're uncomfortable. All of a sudden our emotions begin to speak for us and we hurt people that we never intended to hurt. We may put distance between us and people that we really care about, that we really didn't intend on putting distance, but because of our reaction when the pressure was on or because of the reaction when something we didn't like, all of a sudden now there's a bigger gap that's been widening because of simply we reacted out of our emotions and we didn't stop. So when that happens, when you're in the pressure, because guess what? It's coming. <laughs> you're going to have an opportunity, maybe today, maybe when it comes to the decision of where to go eat after church, something that stupid can turn in to a blow-up argument. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? Where do you want to go eat? I said, you pick. Well, I want to go to McDonald's. We ain't eating McDonald's. We're tired of McDonald's. McDonald's bad for you. Tired of them chicken nuggets. If we go to McDonald's, can I have a happy meal? Shut up. Where do you want to go eat? I don't care. Well, we're just going home. Then. We don't have anything at home. We'll find something. There's some ramen noodles we got packed somewhere back there. Let's go home. Now, somebody knows that's real. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't want ramen noodles. We got the chicken kind. You overbought. Just because they're cheap don't mean you need to buy thousands of them. <laughs> I have had that exact conversation. Lord Jesus. Help us. I don't even know what I was preaching about. Oh, okay. So anyway. <laughs> I didn't talk. Yeah, you got to stop. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. You got to stop. Collaborate and listen. All right. Here we go. All right. You got to stop. And we got to not let our emotions control our mouth because they will take you somewhere you never wanted to go. And you're going to end up eating some ramen noodles because you couldn't make a decision. <laughs> you can get very creative with those things, by the way. There's lots of fun things you can do with those, believe me. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Now I'm hungry. All right. <laughs> Here's what we got to do. When we stop and we make the decision, I'm not going to let my emotions control my reactions. Even if that means, okay, I got to stop. And i got to say, okay, God, lead my heart. Because the way I react reveals my heart. So then he said, God, I'm going to stop. God, lead my heart in this conversation. Lead my heart because the pressure's on right now. And I don't want to react the way I reacted before. I want to move forward in life. I want to grow. I don't want to keep repeating the cycle to where every time I'm put in this situation, I always react the same way. I'm, I'm tired of reacting that way. I'm ready to walk in freedom from this. I'm ready to walk in freedom from the anger, the fear, the, the, the anxiety, the pressure, the frustration, uh, the bitterness, all that junk. I'm ready to walk in freedom from it. So because of that, I've got to stop. 
God, lead my, lead my heart, influence my heart. So here's the thing. The more we allow God's truth, His Word, to influence our heart, the more, when the pressure is on, that we will react with His Word and His truth. It's that simple. The more we allow His Word to influence our heart, when the pressure is on, His Word will come out. Because Luke 6 and 45 says that out of, the tre- out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. Whatever's in our heart the most, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth is going to speak. So whatever we're allowing to influence our heart the most, when the pressure's on, that's what's going to come out. If negative things are coming out, then we're allowing negative things to influence us. We're allowing our desire to control. We're allowing our pride. We're allowing negative influences to take such root in our heart that when the pressure's put on, negative things come out. That's why we've got to be careful who we're allowing to influence our lives. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we get caught up in gossip circles. Sometimes we get caught up in negative conversations with other people. And the next thing you know, because of all of our talking and all of our negativity, when the pressure's on, negative comes out. Because we've been letting all this stuff build up and build up and build up and influence us. If we would allow God's truth to influence us when that same pressure comes on, because it's coming. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's going to happen. When the situation comes, how you react is crucial because how you react reveals what you've been allowing to influence your heart. The more we allow His truth and His love to influence our heart, the more that's going to come out when the pressure's on. Because how many of you guys know that the Word of God is the only thing that can bring about true and lasting change. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that can bring about true and lasting change is the Word of God, His truth, led by His Spirit in our lives, ordering our steps. It's all that can bring real lasting change. Everything else is just temporary. It's just a band-aid. His Word brings about lasting change in our lives. And so because of that, the more of His Word we put in us, when the pressure comes on, I want to answer and I want to react with the word and the way he would want me to in a way that would please him, not the same cycle I've been repeating because I've been trying to control this mess. Amen? Amen. I hope this helps somebody today, and I hope you leave this message with more than just ramen noodles on your brain. (laughs) So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you some homework. I want to give you a homework assignment. (laughs) School's out! Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 through 26. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. I want you to read that. Just a few scriptures. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. And I don't want you to just read it and just check it off your list and go, okay, well, pastor told us to read Galatians 5, 13 through 26, and now that's over with, and I got that out of the way. No, no, no. I don't want you to just read it. I want you to read that, and I want you to actually ask God, okay, Lord, what do you want me to to get out of this? What is in this for me right now in this stage of my life? What do you want to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to me through this word to help influence my heart? How can, Lord, this word help me? And I want you to think on it. The Bible says we need to meditate on his word. We need to think on it over and over again. So don't just read it once and check it off. I want you to read it. I want you to think about it through the day. Maybe if there was one scripture that stood out to you or one phrase in that text that stood out to you, write it down and, and maybe put it somewhere where you can see. Maybe put it in the mirror, you know, in the bathroom or, or in your car somewhere. I, I, went to, uh, I went to Home Depot the other day, and I was just there just to buy something. I mean, just random, you know, and just checking some prices. And a lady came up to me, and she said, Pastor Derek. And I go up and I talk to her. I'm like, hey, what's going on? We kind of chit-chatted for a minute. She worked at Home Depot. You know, they wear those orange aprons. She pulled out of her apron 
one of those little note cards that you guys have on the back of the chair. She pulled out one of those note cards and said, this is my favorite sermon that you, you have ever preached. And it was like a sermon that I preached like seven, eight months ago. And it was all wrinkled up and faded and, you know, because she said, I look at this every day in the break room. She said, I look at this because this is where I'm at. This is the word that God had for me. And I just remind myself of this every day. And she said, I've shared this with so many people. Something that simple is writing something down. What she's allowing to do, allowing that word to do is she's allowing that word to influence her heart. She's putting it in a place where she can think on it, dwell on it. I bet she could probably preach that sermon better than I could now because she's read the notes so much. But I do know the more that we put our hearts in a position where we allow our hearts to be influenced by His Word, by His truth, when the pressure comes, when the pressure is put on, His Word will come out. And His Word is the only thing that's going to bring change. Not you, not me trying to control one another and manipulate people and circumstances. His Word brings change. Amen? Amen. Amen. So take Galatians 5 and 13 this week. Let it influence your heart. I want you to take these scriptures, read them, think on them, allow them to influence your actions, your reactions, your attitudes towards trusting Him and releasing control. And that'll keep us moving forward. That'll keep us growing. That'll keep the momentum that God has and that He desires in our lives as we grow in our trust in Him. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor, you're talking about trust in God. I need to trust Jesus with my heart. I need to give my heart to Him. And today is that day. I'm ready to make that decision. What I'm going to ask you to do, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you, ask you to stand up or come up or anything like that. While everybody's just got their head bowed, this is just between you and God. Nobody's looking around but me. And I just want you to simply acknowledge, yes, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you to just lift your hand and put it back down. Anybody in this place, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Is there any others in this place today? Today is the day for you to make that decision. Don't walk out of this place today not having that assurance, knowing Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. And even if you didn't, church, would you help out those that did lift their hands by saying this prayer with me? And it's not the prayer that saves us, but listen, it's, it, it's our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And this is this prayer just confirming our faith in Him. So would you say this prayer with me today, church? Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. And I trust you. I trust you that you're bigger than anything I'm going through. I trust you with my heart, trust you with my life, and I put all my faith and hope in you. Be the leader of my life, the Lord of my life, and I say I give control to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen.